Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Showtime. Yes, it's showtime. And what a show we have for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is comedian, New York Times bestselling author, Emmy nominated writer for the Conan O'Brien show. It's Laurie Kilmartin. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, join our conversation. And our super fan shout out is for Diane. Say hi to Diane, everybody. Hello, Diane. Hey, Diane. Uh, Diane, Phil sends his love too. Diane sent me an email. Uh, honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. And Diane's going through a little bit of a tough time, so hopefully we can put a smile on your face. And we just want to remind you, Diane, that better days are coming. All right? You and got Phil, this, Diane. Yeah, you got yeah. this, baby. Phil wanted to be here too. Phil's actually coming into town. Uh, he's off this one ship. I spoke to him yesterday. Uh, and he's got to do another contract on another ship, but he will be staying with... Uh, with the wife and I for a while. Should I put some double stuffed Oreos in the room? No, because I, I don't. The last thing I want is him to have a medical incident under our roof. <laughs> Please do that. Please do that. You know what you do? Put the, put the Oreos leading towards a Motel 6. Maybe he'll follow them. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be good to see my pal. He's, he's going to invade our home like the Jaro spider. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I did that for a reason. Mark uh, has an irrational fear. And that's what we're going to chat about briefly uh, before we get to Lori Kilmartin. And I just wanted to give you a definition of irrational fear. Uh, so we have uh, we're on the same page. An irrational fear or phobia is an extreme unwarranted fear linked to a specific object or event. And uh, spiders kind of freak uh, Mark out. So let me ask you this. Do you, is it an irrational fear or is it a phobia? Because a phobia sounds a little bit more extreme. Uh, I wouldn't say it's an irrational fear to me. It's a very rational fear. OK, <laughs> they're the enemy. They want to kill me and they're out to get me. Like every time I see one, I'm like, it's going to be you or it's going to be me. OK, I Mark am, I, obviously thinks he's the Green Goblin, I, an enemy of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would call it an irrational fear, I guess, mm -hmm. if I had to be, you know, uh, objective about it. But um, other people might call it a phobia. But for me, it, it is genuinely a fear and i have had a deep-seated terror involving spiders since i was six years old and my brother took me to this awful science fiction movie about spiders from outer space giant spiders from outer space i saw it i actually got kicked out of the theater because i was screaming so much hmm. and i nightmares for two weeks and they it basically it's haunted me for the rest of my life i have been changed by that movie forever it's just awful 
Is the Jaro spider something bit of a more devilish spider? Why why did we start with Jaro spider at the at the top? Because Mark was telling me about the the Jaro spider, and he was like, "Do you know what's going on in Georgia?" And I went, "Oh, okay, hold on." <laughs> what? And Mark, Mark says these spiders are coming in from other countries and taking our jobs. I'm like, "What? <laughs> what?" <laughs> I don't think they can operate heavy machinery at this yeah. point. They'll figure that out, but not right now. No, but he um, told me what's going on with the Jaro spider. I said, wait a minute, wait, hold on to that. Because uh, he goes, they fly, man, flying spiders. We're all what? doomed. And I said, okay. Flying spiders? What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me clarify what these devilish fiends are actually all about. They came in from China on some huh? freighter, right? They made their way to Georgia and they're... And they're huge. They're like the size of your palm. OK, oh, these are man. big spiders. And when they're little baby spiders, they cast their webs into the air and they use them like parachutes to migrate to greener pastures. And apparently they're making their way north. Eventually, they're going to get all the way up to Philadelphia. But D.C., with all the trees that we have here, is going to be a prime territory for these guys. And I'm telling you. I think I have to move. I don't think I can live with these things coming. Like I'm genuinely flipped out by this. Do you live under a tree, Mark? <laughs> no, but I'm outside a lot. Like I feel like I'm going to have to walk around with a squash racket just to defend myself at any moment from the, you know, the airborne division of arachnids. It's, mm -hmm. it's terrifying. Yeah. See, Mark puts the irrational in irrational fear. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, it makes it a sport. It makes it a sport. Yeah. <laughs> so these spiders, the drug, they, they, this, it's really fascinating because after you told me, I looked it up. They, they actually use the electricity that's in the air. There's electrical charges in the air and the uh, the spiders, the little the little hairs on their legs can detect them. And then they start they start sp uh, spooling out the silk and the silk is negatively charged. So it's like static electricity. It gives them like a blast. They just blast them up in the air and then there's no steering. So they're, they're beholden to the wind. So unless <laughs> you're going to have to get a wind that's blowing from. Is there a six o'clock wind from Georgia to Philadelphia? <laughs> I got to time my electrical charge blast so they can't scare. But they, they call it ballooning. So they're like ballooning spiders heading to Mark. I'll be honest with you. I don't know why the U.S. government is devoting isn't devoting all of its resources into destroying these things before they take over the entire country. You know why? Because they're not dangerous. All right. It sounds dangerous as big as your fist. So they're not dangerous. No, they're bulky. And let's not fat shame the insect world. They're bulky. <laughs> they're big. Ugh. They're actually very poisonous, too. Oh, Adam, they're, they're poisonous. I know. Sounds scary. But their fangs cannot break the skin of pets or human beings. So we're OK for that. So yes. they have the, the potential to kill you. They just uh, they don't they don't have the tools and, they, and they're lazy. <laughs> So you bought into all the propaganda that the, the, yeah. the pro yeah. spider people have yeah. been putting out there that they're not deadly. They're not dangerous. If you see a spider the size of your hand, it, it, that's dangerous right there. Maybe they can't break the skin with their fangs. I don't actually believe that. Maybe this version of it can't. Eventually, they're going to evolve where they're going to be driving cars and they're going to be breaking through your skin. That's how nature works, man. Right, let's go back to again. Irrational fear right here. <laughs> I don't know. I'm with Mark on this one. Yeah, right here. But big, the biggest thing about to notice an irrational fear is spiders driving cars. Says it right here. <laughs> well, OK, I'll give him that. You're with Mark on it? Yeah, I'm with Mark on this one. So you think spiders can drive cars, too? No, not that part. <laughs> the fangy part. And you know who will be ground zero? Mm. Phil. Phil, now, Phil doesn't have time. He's scared of everything else. He ain't got time for the <laughs> flying spiders now. What the fuck? I just don't have time. Exactly. Exactly. But it's, but it, it's an irrational fear because you actually said it came from childhood. I got also got to write this here. A lot of irrational fears come from our childhood and learned behavior from uh, parents or other adults in the family unit. I have that, too. I have a fear of the first of the month. Because the bills are coming and I got it. <laughs> I'm terrified. And I, I adapted that behavior from my uncle Funzalo. And I'm, you're like a, like a you were born like a mini adult. Yeah, I know. I was I, I was. I was born. Childhood. I was born with, with adult pressures. <laughs> How's your homework, Adam? Are you kidding me? 
We got we got rent due. What are you talking about? We got the mortgage to deal with. Come on. My homework. Are you kidding me? Did you see what it costs to eat this house? <laughs> you think I care about a train leaving Chicago at 300 miles an hour? <laughs> Who's Get paying some for coffee, the Ma. train? Huh? Who's shoveling that? You guys don't look at your operating costs when you give me these math problems. <laughs> now we got spiders driving cars. Mark's moving out of D.C. And Ooh. Phil's going to kill himself with cookies. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up. That pretty much sums yeah. it up right there. Well, honey, you're scared of spiders. Yeah, I am. But I give them a chance. <laughs> you give them a I chance. How do you give how do you give the spiders a chance to earn their life? Most, most people <laughs> kill them straight away. Right. Yes. Boom. I give them a chance if they run away. Like, you know, they need to survive. But if they go towards me, mm -mm. bye bye. My wife is like the dread pirate Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good night. I shall likely kill you in the morning, depending on which way you move. <laughs> How you answer my questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Mark, I'm curious when you see, uh, let's say you see a spider in a Buick driving towards you. <laughs> what is the, what the irrational, what is the effects of that fear on you? I have to run him off the road. That's the only yeah. option. No, I, I, I am. I'm afraid of physically seeing spiders um, and I'm freaked out just by the thought of them. Yeah, well, that that's the definition of an irrational fear is it, an over or exaggerated or unwarranted reaction to just the thought of something. Oh, yeah, I, have that. I have that. You have that. How do you have that? Well, like you said, they stems from childhood and my brothers and sisters would scare the holy heck out of me. They would hide in the dark. It's so mean. Mm -hmm. you know? And they, in fact, they set me up. They say, go downstairs. Can you get this? And then I go and someone else would be like hiding and just scare me, you know, almost like I, I wet my pants. Right. That, mm -hmm. That's scary. So now <laughs> I, when I'm alone, you know, you travel some Adam, mm -hmm. I, I think that, there could be like the walking dead outside. <laughs> My wife's afraid of, of zombies, imaginary zombies. Well, you know, especially, and you know how much I like the walking dead because mm -hmm. there's some sort of sick, like thing that I get a thrill out of watching because I know I'm scared at the same time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's bad. My wife goes like this. She goes, she goes, you're on the road, Adam. I think, I think we need to get, you need to get a shotgun. I go, I'm not getting a shotgun. I go, what do you need a shotgun for? She's like, duh, walkers. I'm like, okay, honey. I'm like, honey, you burnt yourself with a curling iron two days ago. I'm not getting you a 12 gauge, okay? Okay, so Mark has an irrational fear of spiders. My, my wife has an irrational fear of, of the undead. Um, and I'll be honest with you. I have an irrational fear of tampons. There, I said it. <laughs> What? OK, flip me really? out. I just yeah, I don't know why I've never my mother go into my purse and get nope. Any girlfriends <laughs> I had my wife go into my purse and get nope. One of those things could be in there. It could go off. There's, it's got a string on it. It's got a, it could attach itself to me. I, I don't want any part of it here. Get whatever you want me to get. Yeah. Well, first of all, to a girl, because mm -hmm. I know you, you can totally tell you grew up with all all boys mm -hmm. because with a girl, tampons mean freedom. Okay, to a girl, it's freedom. All right. To me and Lori Kilmartin's nine year old boy, it's terrifying. <laughs> you should be more terrified of the cramps. Yeah. So I want you guys to listen to this and we will see you on the other side. So, a common problem that comes up when we're struggling with mental health is trying to figure out whether a fear is a real rational fear or it's an irrational fear. How's your homework, Adam? My <laughs> homework? Are you kidding me? Did you see what it costs to eat this out? <laughs> You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. This is how you spend your time. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now 
All you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I have some stand updates for you. Yes, July 1st and July 2nd, I will be at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco. Friday, July 8th, I will be at the Comedy Shop in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. And Saturday, July 9th, I will be at the Comedy Shop in Newton, Pennsylvania. And Sunday, July 10th, I will be at Soul Joel's Comedy Dome in Royersford, Pennsylvania. There's a list for tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. My special It's Scary Near still on YouTube. Please check it out if you get a chance. We also have t-shirts for you. There's a link to both right here in the show notes. All right, enough of my yakking. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a very funny stand-up and Emmy-nominated writer for The Conan O'Brien Show. She's also a New York Times bestseller. Her books include Shitty Mom and Dead People Suck. Her new album is called Corset. It is hysterical and available wherever you get your albums. Uh, She's a single mother. She is smart and a darkly funny lady. And the first time I met her, she was doing math problems just for fun. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my pal, Lori Kilmartin. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I am good. It's true. I remember the first time I met you. I'm going to say San Francisco. I was in a green room somewhere. I'm going to say San Francisco. I could be wrong. Spellbinders in Houston. Is that what it was? You, me, and Jose Simone. Wow. Yes, you're. Yes, you're right. And I walk in, and you're doing math problems, and I'm like, "Geez, (laughs) this kid's studying for a GED. What are you doing?" I should have. I should have taken the hint that I gave myself and gotten out of comedy and just (laughs) that to school. Part of me was telling myself to get the hell out of this. Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, I don't know why. I just was. I don't. I have no idea what I was. I just got a little workbook from Barnes and Noble and thought mm-hmm. it would be good for my brain. I can't even. I stopped being able to help my son in third grade in math problems. So uh, really? it did me no good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe confirming what I sensed, which is that I was losing brain cells at an alarming, alarmingly fast rate, even back then. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you are. You are a, a single mom, um, mm-hmm. and I was enjoying so much. Uh, listening to uh, listening to your album and the stories you're telling, you read your son, the diary of Anne Frank. <laughs> right. <laughs> At a way too young age. How yeah. old was he when you read that to him? I think he was 10. He was, he was 10. 10. Okay, yeah. great. First math problems for mom. <laughs> Inappropriate. And man's inhumanity to man for the 10 year old. Okay. <laughs> did you ever, did you read, have you read, oh, I think it's Old Yeller. No, no, no. It's uh, where the Redford grows. Grows. Have you read that recently? No. no. Tell me about what is that? It's um, it's this boy, and he has two hunting dogs named uh, Little, Little Ann and Dan, and Old Dan. Right? They're okay. two hunting dogs. And um, there's and I'm like, I know something bad happens in this book, but I don't remember. And it's a boy, and my son's a boy, so let's just read it. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm reading. <laughs> This one kid uh, is running and he stumbles and he falls into an axe and is like almost cut in half. And my <laughs> son's like, <"What?"> <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so shit like stuff like that happens all the time. When I start a book from my childhood, I, I forget. And then I'm like, oh, no, there's a reason this is a classic. Someone dies horribly. OK, yeah. Laurie, uh, here's my pushback. You know how the diary of Anne Frank ends. <laughs> well, here's the thing. And, and this is kind of what the whole joke is about. But but I knew he even knew that. 
But mm. uh, what he didn't know and what I forgot is she started menstruating in the book. And then I hadn't told him what menstruation was because I had him when I was 41. So mm. by the time, like when he was 10, I was done menstruating. So right. he didn't really, he didn't grow up with tampons, you know, like a lot of <laughs> So he had no idea. And I'm like, oh, well, if I'd had you five years younger, this would be no big deal to you. But I have to give you some information right now about women. Mm. And uh, and he really flipped out because he hadn't heard about it. Right. Well, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know why I flip out when I was a kid. And I'll tell you the story why I flip out. Yeah. Uh, 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 Mary Ellen Campari got her got her period on the playground when we were we were kids and oh. all the older women rushed up to her and whisked her away. She went to a nunnery. Yeah, get thee to a nunnery. We were like, oh, my God, what happened to her? And then somebody said, I think she got shot. They said she was bleeding. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Yeah. So we don't know. We were kids. So that's why even yeah. like and and I never go into a woman's purse. I just never even like my mother or my girlfriend or my, even my wife was going my purse again. Nope, not doing it. There could be one of them things <laughs> in there. I ain't touching it. Cut it off. It's got a string on. It's going to attach itself to me. I don't know. I ain't having it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think other kids, you know, tampons are in the closet. So you know what they are. But again, with me, it, it had ended. I had like an early exit from that, uh, that yeah, monthly from that obligation. And uh, so he didn't, he hadn't heard of them. <laughs> yeah. But, but you, you had your son. You were 41 when you had your son. Uh, and you were a single mom because, and as you say in your album, you're a, a baby daddy, your boyfriend at the time, he cheated on you. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But I just love the, the story you tell about when you told your friends and the different reactions when you told your female friends oh, yeah, right, and when right, you right. told your male friends. <laughs> that was true. And, and I could, I could, I could, um, the male friends were comedians, of course. Mm, sure. And so, uh, of course, they're all cheating on their wives. And so not all of us. I'll tell you right now. Not you. His... Not you. But the, the two that that responded that way wouldn't mm. surprise you. But yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to say the names, but the response was 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 great. You told your female friends like, oh, I'm so sorry. And they were compassionate and they were supportive and they, they listened to you talk and they helped you manage your pain. The male comedians were yeah. supportive, responsive and then said, how'd you find out? Yeah, <laughs> that was the really the only thing they wanted to <laughs> to know about me was oh, how man. I the, the female found out that the male was cheating. Oh, yeah. God. See, here's, here's my deal on the road and everything is I can first of all love my wife to death. I'm a guy that should I I married up, baby. I yeah. crawled, there was a hole in the fabric of reality, and I crawled into <laughs> Babeland, and I grabbed yeah. one of the princesses and ran back to this plane of existence. Okay, so I'm not. Yeah. I know what I got and I ain't leaving. Plus the guilt would get me. God forbid something. I did something on the road. Stupid. I would come home. My wife would be like, so how was the road? Sit down. Oh, did I screw up? Bad? Well, you are. I've been on the road with you and you are as square off stage as you are on stage. That's I hope true. That's <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, this isn't an act. This is guy's legit. That's crazy. <laughs> well, that's what I like about your act. And one of the reasons, there's, there's a couple of reasons I want to talk to you about. One of the reasons I want to talk to you is the difference in our approaches, but we're trying to accomplish the same thing. And here's what I mean. Um, you, uh, you addressed the, uh, I think we both head towards the pain and fear head on. And if I hear laughter in a dark spot, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, Kill Martin probably wrote this because because <laughs> you you go right into the darkness. So if I don't know if this, this analogy makes sense to you, if we were surrealist painting, you're Dolly, your shit's melting. The colors are vivid. I'm more Magritte. It's clouds. It's whimsical. <laughs> Well, say I do sometimes lose audience members uh -huh. on, on my setups. Yeah. Yeah. On the setups. I was listening to it. I was like, I was like, oh, this and this kid ain't stopping. This is an album. She ain't pulling out of this. Yeah. Like I do have a whole chunk about my mom dying of COVID, but mm -hmm. about uh, I'd say like 10 percent of the audience stops listening when they hear the setup, which is my mom died of COVID. They're like, right, whoa, yeah. no, thank you. And it's like, oh, I've got about eight minutes on this. So yeah, come, on, come back. But so, so that's when sometimes people peel away from me there. But it, I want them to know, hey, I, I've got some jokes about it. Don't worry. You're good. Yeah. I'm good. Well, your mom and your dad specifically, you addressed your dad's death too, as I did. And I want to get into how you did it because it's, okay. it was fascinating. But the way I did it was... I rushed to the stage, Laurie. I because I'm 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 
I'm a moron. I take every emotion onto the stage because that's where I feel like I belong, you know? Um, and it yeah. was too early. It was too early. And I was trying, I think in hindsight, now looking back, I was trying to outrun the pain, like, ha I'll, I'll do this first. So you can't hurt me. Right. And it wasn't funny. Uh, and I pulled out immediately because it was, it was in the middle of a larger set and there were, everyone watching me, especially in the green room, my wife was in the green room on the, and, and everyone at the comedy club knew what happened and wow. it just came out. You know, I wasn't really, you know, cause I riff on stage. That's pretty much how I write. I take an idea and I riff and yeah. then I boil it down. And, uh, and I remember, Oh shit, here we go. Wasn't funny. Punched out of it and, and saved myself. Right. But that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to process quicker. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Totally. I mean, I, I with my dad, my dad was in hospice. And so I didn't want to leave the house. Like here's he had had he had cancer, right? Mm -hmm. So I had nine months warning. Like we knew it was probably terminal. So I started joking about him having cancer. And in a way, of, it, it was me attempting to uh, have him not die of cancer because I joked about it and how, mm -hmm. how awful would it be if I joked about hoping he died of cancer so I could have something of his? How <laughs> awful would it be if he died of cancer? So yeah. if I do this joke, then he won't die of cancer. And then I get another joke about how he won't die. Right. Uh, so that was my, uh, you know, non-medical way to try to save my dad's life. Right. <laughs> and it didn't work. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And then I, I did find that, you know, uh, it was diff it, you. You as a comic have to get so comfortable talking about it and saying the even saying the words "my dad died." Mm -hmm. Like for any of us, it's like no, no uh, I can't even. I don't want to say that. Right? Yeah. It's really hard to say. And you have to say. You have to get to the point where you say it in, in a voice that's so comfortable. It's the same voice you use as uh, I'm on Tinder. You know. And, and <laughs> right. To the audience, those are interchangeable bits. To the servers putting down food and interrupting the show or whatever, the check drop, those are interchangeable bits. They don't care, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's if it feels more emotional to you, the audience gets, I, I feel like the audience starts to worry about you and then they can't laugh. But if they know you're totally cool with it, your, vo your voice isn't shaking, and, it's, and this is only going to happen by massive amounts of repetition. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like you just have to have to get used to it. And uh, it's really, you know, the first couple of months probably are real rocky. And then you, you know, like anything, you get a couple laughs in there. So once you know your laughs are, are pretty solid, then you can start really relaxing as you just bring up the topic because, you know, you have good jokes to come. And it just it's just. You know, like like any in a way, like any comedy, but it just takes the time to figure out the beats. But it not unlike every comedy bit, it it takes you time to be comfortable even discussing it. Yeah. And and you said that relationship with the audience is you got to get them. First of all, they got to trust you. You got to get them to trust you that we're going to be OK. Don't worry. Yeah. I have this, you know, yes. and I always I think I punched out. I mean, I'd like to think I punched out, but who knows? I uh, because. I always take on a certain amount of responsibility uh, on a show. It's not like I'm going like, I have to do my art. Like, nope. These people paid money. They got a babysitter. They got, I got to make yes. them laugh. I feel the same way. I feel mm -hmm. like I, I don't have, you know, yeah, I, they got a sitter. I know what it's like to get a sitter and to be excited to go see the show. Yeah. And if you try something for two minutes and it's not working, that's why you have uh, decades of other material you can do, right? Yeah. I, I, I always can't believe it when people, I mean, this is different comics work different ways, but they, they're like, I'm going to bomb. It's all, it's a whole new hour. Yeah. <laughs> and you're $40 for it. And I only have three jokes in it. All right, here we go. What? Yeah. No. Yeah, stop it. You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like music. You know, my friends, my, my friend Mark is on the show. He likes jam bands. I'm like, I don't want to come to rehearsal. Call me when, when the song's done. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But and, yeah. and a lot of stuff can happen while we're working. You got heckled by a 70 year old woman and a 12 year old boy. Not in the same night. No, different nights. Different nights. <laughs> yeah. That's hard. When you get heckled by an older woman, you're like, man, I, I, I can kill you. I don't want to. <laughs> And, and and I shouldn't because they're they're going to be on your side until, until what I found when you have somebody like that is you have to let the audience turn on them before you before you go in and get them. Absolutely. They have to ruin the show for a little bit, which is yeah. really 
in the case of the seven-year-old, she had ruined the first three comics. Mm-hmm. Like no one removed her. So the audience was already there. They were right there. They hated her and they wanted her to die of a heart attack. <laughs> right. Okay. So I went up on stage almost immediately. She started in and then I didn't have to like build any credit with the audience because they right. were taking someone to take her out. So, mm. okay. Well, I'm getting sidetracked because I enjoy uh, talking to you, uh, but I want to go back to the way you dealt with your dad's uh, death because it was it was fascinating to me. You you live tweeted it. You live. Yeah. yeah. You live tweeted and people were following it as it was happened. I mean, I mean, you, you, you weren't giving like, you know, test results, but you were you were giving the the emotional journey that your family was going on. And my question to you is this. Was it planned and was it cathartic? It wasn't planned. It was cathartic. I, it was because uh, my dad was uh, doing home hospice and mm-hmm. uh, I was like afraid to leave the house because I didn't want him. I wanted I didn't want him to die if I was gone. Like, I, I, I was yeah, yeah, home in yeah. the area. I had that, too. I was, I was afraid to go to sleep. Like if I'm not yeah. won't die while I'm watching him. Right. Ex- yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, normally I would have gone out and just done open mics or spots or something in the Bay Area because I'm from there and I know a bunch of people and I could get up on stage, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, instead, I just started writing jokes and then just tweeting them because I didn't want to leave my dad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so then uh, Patton Oswald started, he retweeted a couple of them and then that sort of like got other people interested in it. Mm-hmm. But it was just that whole... I don't know. It was this just such a shocking. That was the first time I'd lost a family member, you know, yeah. I mean, with grandparents. But like, you know, it was my first parent to die. And, uh, you know, it, I was just in complete shock the entire time. Like, I could not, I don't know. I just, you know, you know, they're going to die. But then when it happens, you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is awful. And yeah. how, 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 how does everyone keep going? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. That's that. Yeah. How does everybody keep going? And you were yeah. you were doing it in real time, too. I think I don't know, but I, I sense it was a coping mechanism. Like, you know, at the end of the day, you don't have a glass of wine. You're like, let me write a joke. Let me get this feeling out. Let me organize this thought into an art form that make brings me comfort. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, um, I did the same thing with my mom, you know, and she 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 got covid uh, in June of 2020. So it was right when it was still really new to everybody mm-hmm. and a lot of people didn't know anyone that had COVID and uh, all of a sudden my mom had it. And uh, so, you know, it was like, it, it was a, gosh, maybe like a week total of her, mm-hmm. for her. She was in the hospital, um, you know, and uh, uh, my sister and I were fighting to be able to go in and see her one last time, you know, if we could yeah, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So yeah, that was really helpful because the hospital wasn't going to let us in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was during a, a, a little bit of a lull in California. And so some hospitals were letting people in to, you know, if you're in full PPE mm-hmm. to say goodbye. And so I tweeted about it. And then my sister did her thing with her. She's a doctor. So she did her thing with a women's physicians group. And like the two forces uh, got the hospital to change its policy. And we were the first ones that were allowed to visit a terminal loved one on the COVID ward. And so, yeah, we, we got to do that. So in that case, I felt like it was really helpful. It was helpful for us, you know, because a lot of people called on our behalf and made a big stink. And, uh, and I think um, people weren't aware of what a COVID death looked like. And, And not that my mom's was similar to other people. She wasn't on a vent or anything like she, you know, she's really elderly. So she went, um, she's like 82 and, and a week 82. So yeah. she did COVID. It was like, whew, like yeah. her lungs immediately turned to glass. Mm. And there was no way to, you know, event would have just prolonged and made a very uncomfortable, you know, last couple of weeks. So we didn't even do that. So yeah. they just said, just go straight to morphine and, you know, she'll go comfortably. So that's what we did. Yeah. But I, I think at that time, no one, you know, a lot of people didn't really, it just was happening to other people, you know, old people in Seattle and a couple of people in New York and it, no one really knew anyone. So, or a lot of people didn't. So I think maybe I had been the first people, at least in my circle and, you know, maybe in my Twitter following that like, oh my God, this is a real person and that's a real mother. And I tweeted about my mom too. She lived with me. So a lot of people felt like they knew my mom, Yeah, you know, yeah. they followed me a lot. She was always nagging as moms do and you know she drank um 
vodka and carrots were her most of her um, nightly meals. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I used to just tweet pictures of dinner and it would just be baby carrots sliced. Each carrot was sliced like five or six times. Uh, and uh, a, a giant uh, martini, a vodka martini, half a cup of vodka, half a cup of water, and uh, two to three olives. Okay. <laughs> I still have a recipe. <laughs> That's it. All you need is a starch, and most of the food groups are there. That's <laughs> true. Who needs protein? <laughs> you don't. Not Once you're 80, you don't need protein. Your body yeah. just starts eating itself, so you might as well <laughs> enjoy the booze. Well, the dark humor helped you through this. And, and just by listening to what you said, I, I don't know if this, this will help or is apropos, but your dad died. Your mom yeah. died. Uh, your comment to both of them. So in my opinion, you are a carrier. <laughs> a carrier. <laughs> well, thankfully I'm out of parents. You know, everyone's <laughs> safe. <laughs> but that's, see, that's the kind of stuff that I love about um, what you do is it's, really dark but when you get to the end of it you're like there's a there's a release that comes with with, with all comedy there's a release that comes there but the tension you build up on the a section is like <laughs> yeah. yeah you're tuned pretty tight you're in another key baby and that, that takes stones <laughs> to play in that key <laughs> um and, and, just, and the specific joke is the specific joke that illustrates that point for me you know when your dad and i'm going to butcher it so please excuse me when your dad dies uh, oh, it's yeah. When when the wrong parent dies first. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that, that. We all have a favorite parent, and it seems to be your favorite is the one that goes first, and then you're stuck with the other one for you know seven to twenty years, <laughs> depending and on I, how lucky they are. I like the joke you said when your dad's final words were, "Ha ha!" Now she's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> she's your problem now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, 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 when you were tweeting about it, I had uh, Jim Beaver on and he was emailing um, because because when his uh, he was suffering his loss, he had to get to all the family. He had to give out all the information. So he started writing emails at night and he would send them to a chain email. And then everyone said this should be a book. And he made a book about it. And it was great. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just oh, came, it came. It came out of a need. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think comedy does serve a need on the micro and the macro, you know, it's a, it, it's a need for us just to deal, you know, and, and, and produce and what we do, but it's a need for other people to connect to uh, like when my dad was dying, I talked about the chemo and I put it in, in one of my specials and I got a bunch of emails about thank you. And here's my story. Yeah. Right, right, right. My question to you is this, what art form talks to you that brings you comfort and who's, you know, what, what artist do you seek out that brings you comfort in those when, when you're in that position? Um, Roseanne Cash, she has a trilogy uh, that's uh, about her dad dying, Johnny Cash dying. Yeah. And uh, one of them's a, an album of covers of uh, his songs. And it's, oh, it's so good. I think it's called The List. And then she has the other two are sort of twin albums that are songs that she wrote uh about june carter cash and um uh, her own dad you know passing and just you know becoming all of a sudden the oldest person in the family and all that stuff to mm. me like i don't know that you know, i like to like really marinate and all that stuff and cry and other people i think like to get away from it and but i like to just settle in like i there's many many days after my dad died where i just sat on the porch and listened to roseanne cash and just mm -hmm you know, kind of nodded like, yeah. yeah, yep, yep, yep. Not me, Rand. Don't want to feel it. Ah. Look, looking for somebody to blame. Yeah, there we go. Who can I take oh. this out on? <laughs> because I don't know how to process. <laughs> That's why you're, you're accused of attacking three doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I got the, the, the one of the funniest stories you tell is about your dad's ashes. When you go to when you went to Ireland, yeah. So, uh, so the stone ruin is in the middle of a farm, like a private farm now. And mm -hmm. this is this is information from distant cousins. They gave us GPS coordinates, so we knew the right place. And so, um, so I wanted to sprinkle the ashes on the stones, right? Okay. The little stone house, and uh, 
and and my son and I climbed over the fence and then cows started walking over to us like we hadn't noticed them before and then they started walking so if you if you ever play minecraft it felt just like being inside minecraft they just sort of walking very methodically <laughs> over to us and then i realized they're not all cows some of them are bulls and they're coming too so we went right back over the fence and the cows and the bulls came right up to the very edge and one of the bulls mounted a cow and started uh making love to it <laughs> Well, my son and I are watching, and uh, and that's where we left my dad's ashes to be uh, mixed in with Ireland's finest bull semen, which I think he would have wanted. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Yeah. And you, so, all right, my dad dies, right? Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, my mother, we, we go through the whole thing, and then and you got to go through the belongings and stuff. Oh. Yeah. God. Yeah, so we're going through all of that. My mother's in this little condo. He would want you to have this. Okay, okay. So I have this. This was the the, the ring my my oh. mom gave my dad when they got engaged. And now it's my oh. wedding ring. Oh, neat. Yeah. How old's that ring then? That ring's got to be 19, geez, 1960. I'll say 60, 61. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I got that ring. You you actually have your dad's ashes in a ring. I do. Yeah. It, 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 they may have fallen out by now. Right. Um, <laughs> there it was. A, it's like a little clotter ring and uh, mm-hmm. you open the heart and you put the ashes in. But I've swum with it and, of course, showered with it. So I feel like <laughs> probably gone. Your dad's um, at, the, at the YMCA pool. <laughs> He, he, he loved people. So I feel like it's always a win. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> do you, have, I have a lot of ashes. Like you do. Yeah. Even my sister has some and we put some in the niche and I, I like to, you know, when you go someplace cool mm-hmm. on vacation or something that like my dad never went to, I like to bring some ashes and, you know, show him, show him Japan or whatever, you know? Right. Okay. So he's all over the place. All over the place. My yeah. dad is in a crypt. Like, like yeah. some Romanian Duke. He's in a crypt <laughs> in Long I- on Long Island, Laurie. It's, it's a Long oh, Island wow. crypt. Yeah, so wow. it's near a 7-Eleven. You can get coffee. <laughs> I'm making a day. Yeah, it's That's off nice. Route 110. You know, don't go 4 <laughs> o'clock. You're going to hit traffic. Yeah. <laughs> where do you think you're more like your dad, and where do you think you're more like your mom? Oh, um... I think I'm, uh, you know, gosh, it's hard to say. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm, I look like my mom quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if I'm like her. I probably am because I don't think I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like that. No, I would never do that as I do exactly a mannerism she does. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like temperament wise, more like my dad, uh, a little, um, maybe dreamy, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to being like real good with money or, uh, you know, like, uh, I, like I can't open an Excel spreadsheet. It like, it just hurts my brain, you know, right. order is really hard for me, you know, mm-hmm. to keep an order. Like it, there's just clutter all over the place. That's why I have this background. So, yeah. <laughs> so I artificially clean my house or my right. room. <laughs> yeah. I have, um, I'm more like my dad when, as, as being a planner uh, is looking out for danger, more like a crime boss. Kill Martin. I'm pretty much <laughs> looking out for danger. <laughs> yeah. My father's always walking around like we were, we were on a ski trip once, right? We're, ski trip, you know, as much as you go, we went to a yeah. bunny slope. Dad, come on, ski yeah. with us. He goes, yeah, now you kids go have fun. I kept pushing him. He goes, and he just pulled me aside. He goes, look, if I ski and I fall and I break my leg, I can't work. If I can't work, we don't eat. You really want me to go skiing? I said, oh my God. Yeah. I'm six. Oh my I'm six. How about a sled? How about that? <laughs> wow. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, that's, that's heavy shit when you're as for a six year. And my mom, I'm more, emo- I react more. I'm more emotional. My, my mom's an opera. Nothing but emotion. <laughs> wow. Is your mom Italian as well? Yeah, we're we're all Italians. We're all okay. there's, there's, there's no we're well we're, we're half and half. Not we're just full blown raving lunatics. 
Is your wife Italian too? No, my wife is everything. I married a Benetton ad. My wife is, <laughs> yeah, she's uh, uh, I'm gonna, uh, Italian, German, Scottish, uh, mostly Mexican, American, Indian, Japanese. She's everything, my wife. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, so- she's everything. And, and that's how I knew that it was different because I remember when I went to meet her family, we're having dinner and she's yeah. from San Francisco. So we're sitting up there having okay. dinner. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, God, it's so quiet. <laughs> Why? How come no one's crying? I know. Yeah. Don't you people drink? What are we? <laughs> Nobody owes anybody money. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Mom loves all her children the same. This is what you're trying to sell me. All right. Funny. <laughs> how old is your son now? He is 15. He's a freshman in high school. Oh, God bless you. Mm-hmm. Does he does he want to be a comic? Does he want to be like mommy? No, he wants to be. Uh, he wants to make anime. Oh, he, cool. Uh, he uh, he he draws constantly. He's been taking classes for years, and um, he has a a strip that he's preparing. Like I think twenty chapters for, and he's going to start releasing them on his birthday in October. This is something like he's planned over a year in advance, like when he's going to be finished with things and then release them, and you know. It's really cool. He made a whole world with all these characters and all they, you know, they all obviously have their own image and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so it's, it's pretty exciting. That's really exciting. It's like, that's not how I do. I don't plan anything and draw. I'm like, who I, I don't know. Have you noticed any traits uh, in your son uh, that was in your parents? Um, he uh he's actually kind of careful in a way that my mom was you know it's mm-hmm. weird because my mom spent the last four years of her life with us and uh and he he's more like her than he thinks he also mm-hmm. walks he walks like her what he's got a walker <laughs> yes and he takes statins it's weird <laughs> i'm like honey you're just 15 you don't need to he likes carrots and vodka he's grandpa's boy <laughs> Uh, here's the reason I'm asking you, Kill Martin, is because I not only am I feeling, but I'm hearing my father's voice come out of my head. I don't oh know God. what it, I don't know what it means. I'm ho- <laughs> I'm hoping it's a good thing because I'm planning to do something the next stage or something, because that's always when I get I channel my dad is like when I if, if I'm faced with not not adversity, but a challenge. Uh, like, all right, how am I going to get through this? And, you know, when I write because I write yeah. longhand, I write longhand on a legal pad, you know, oh. the, like when you're I, writing prose or something? Prose, or- whatever I got to write, whatever I got to figure out, whatever I got to solve, whatever acting questions I got, whatever I got to bring to this character. That's how I have a conversation with myself. It's longhand on a legal right. pad. And then I hear my dad's voice when I write back. Um, so so every other line is, get your shit together, kid. Um <laughs> But and when I was when I was when I was uh, listening to your stuff, I was like, I got to ask her this question because I was reading about how information or or, or guidance, however you want to use a better word, comes to comes to you. And it can come to the form of you can hear a voice in your head or you can see a trait of someone that someone that guided you in a force or protected you in force in, in a loved one, even a pet, they said, it's like where to look for guidance was, was the overall umbrella of this article I was reading. And uh, I wanted to ask you if you experienced any of that. That's why I asked, does your son have anything from your mom and dad? Because you were obviously close to both of them. Um, yeah, I think, I feel my dad was an engineer, so he did a, he was doing a lot of drawing all the time, mm-hmm. but it was just right angles. <laughs> 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 but I do when my son, when he's drawing his stuff, he, he reminds me of my dad quite a bit, you know, ah, just the hunch cool. over and the attention to detail. But yeah, you make me laugh. And I, I had Jackie Cation on the show and yeah. uh, you guys have a podcast together. Plug your podcast for me. It's called uh, the Jackie and Lori show. Mm-hmm. Bit incredibly real. <laughs> and uh, it's just us. We don't have guests. It We kind of like, talk about our week in comedy and then we spiral off into other things too. It's almost exactly an hour every single time. And uh, we've been doing it since 2015. So, um, you know, it's just, we sort of just meet every weekend uh, now on Zoom, but, you know, talk about our sets and travel and, you know, gossip and all that kind of stuff. And, and 
it's weird. Like right after we were like, can we sustain this after we started it? And then mm. comedy turned into a thing that everyone was talking about. Comedians mm-hmm. were things people, everyone was talking about. And it, it, it just became a national obsession at the same time we were really starting to focus on it. So mm. yeah, it was kind of work, kind of worked out. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you're two very, very funny people. I, I, I enjoy listening to, to both of you. So if people want to see you, where do they go to find your tour dates? Uh, Killmartin.com. I got my um, URL in uh, 95. Thank you very much. <laughs> on top of that early. <laughs> Look at you. You're your Killmartin classic. Look at oh, that. Yeah. I had to beat out the other six Killmartins in the world to get my <laughs> last name as the, my URL. <laughs> There's not many of us. Well, you are a very funny lady, and I hope I get to see you soon at the clubs. Um, Be well and best to you and your family. Thanks, Adam. It was great to talk to you and great to see you. Take good care. My name is Lori Kilmartin, and that was 30 Minutes I Will Never Get Back. I'm afraid of tampons and Nazis now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh, Adam. She is so great. She's I love her humor. I feel like, it, you know, the same kind of thing when I go see a scary film, mm-hmm. like you're, like, you're shocked that she said that. And then all of a sudden it's, it's like, wow, she's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's what it's that raw thing that you're thinking. She says it out loud. Mm. And Adam, really? You gotta, you gotta disparage my musical taste with the company. Now that's where we're at. You got to make fun of the music. I listen with total strangers. Yeah. Yeah. The jam bands. I'm sorry. I'm not, <laughs> not spinning around in a circle. I'm not. It's every live band does that though, man. They do the who would do versions of my generation that would last like eight minutes. Yeah. You but know? they were good at it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm taking you to a dead show. That's all there is to it. You're coming with me. I will arrange a transportation. I'm going to have a spider drive us to the show. <laughs> if you can get in the car, I'll suffer through a dead show. Okay. I, I just think of those songs as bathroom breaks. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a drum solo. Here's a good time to pee. Let's go. <laughs> well, they actually do have a section of the concert that's just called drums. And that's when everybody says, okay, now I'll go to the bathroom. It's, and that's like a half an hour of drums. Mm-hmm. That I can understand. Mm-hmm. But the songs... They're brilliant. I love that. And I always love jam bands. The, the Almond Brothers doing like a 30 minute version of something, man. I'll take that any day of the week. Love mm-hmm. that stuff. I have to agree with with Mark after you introduced me to the Almond Brothers, Adam. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Again, they're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, here's the thing. I, 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 I you're one of my dearest friends. I, I value your opinion when it comes to most things. But I think you're delusional when you go to. <laughs> When you're listening to the dead, you know, how long is it since they play Dark Star? Not long enough. I'm telling you. Is it okay. is but it too much to ask that you're in tune? Is that too much to ask? <laughs> OK, so now I'm irrational and I'm delusional. Is that what we're coming up with today? Look, we're on our way to healing, baby. You're admitting this is great. <laughs> I did love the delusional thought process that you guys talked about, you know, like. With um, with you and your dad, you're like, he won't die while I'm watching. Yeah. You know, I love I love that thought because, you know what? We all tell ourselves things like that. I don't know whether it's superstition or as, as you talk about, like a delusional thought process, you know, and even Lori, like I'll save his life if I make fun of it. If I joke about this process, that will save him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was up for days, too. I was like, oh, God. So but it, it, it doesn't work. I think it's just a way to comfort ourselves and give us some kind of imaginary power over a powerless situation. Well, it, it d- may, you know, it didn't work, but it sure helped her cope with it. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's what great comedy does is helps you cope with things. Yeah. I think in my case, it was the sign of an enormous ego. As long as I'm watching my father, I will preserve his life. <laughs> well, <there's that. laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it is trying to put a rational process and a, and a controlling factor on something that you can't control. And because I, I don't think, OK, we talk about irrational fears. Honestly, is there anything scarier than something that you can't control the outcome of? Doesn't mm-hmm. I mean, isn't deep down, isn't that sort of what we're all scared of, an outcome that we can't really impact? Yeah. And the delusion is it's the world we live in. We can't control anything. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's true. It's very true. I think that's what makes your jobs so important. 
You okay. think there'd be more money in it. <laughs> well, you know, you get paid by healing people because all the chemicals released when you laugh mm -hmm. is so stress releasing. Yeah. But the worse the news gets now, the better your comedy should get. Yeah. I think yeah. we all need it. We do. We do. And, and you know, uh, laughter without, you know, sounding trite, it, it really is the best medicine. And how many times have we gotten emails on this show or, or people have, have approached you after, uh, you know, a gig, Adam, and said, hey, I've been going through a really tough time. And just hearing your jokes or hearing what we're talking about and the laughter, you know, has taken me out of that moment where I'm so sad and so caught up in that, you know, sorrow. Um, and, and I think if you can give people relief through that, I think that's that really is what it's all about. Yeah. And it actually it actually makes me feel really good that I could provide that service. And that's and that connection is something that I strive for with my art. I just really I need to be better paid. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm providing a service and the price is going up. All right. The spite is coming. I got to buy I got to buy Marcus squash racket. <laughs> But I think getting back to the, to the delusion of, you know, our jobs and what power we have to apply to a situation like, you know, writing jokes. I tried to outrun and I, I realized this when I was talking to Lori, I was trying to outrun the pain by rushing to the stage because I think my thought process was if I could if I could write this bit about my dad dying. I'll be past the pain and it'll be finished and I can move on to the next thing. And it, it was way too early. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember Alice was in the green room. Um, yeah. And I, when I got off stage, you know, I, I saved it and I walked back into the green room. Everybody's looking at me. And uh, and I remember I remember looking at you, honey, and you went, it's way too early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got the I, I got a little rash while you were up there, Adam. <laughs> I was like so nervous. <laughs> I thought to myself, mm, yeah, y you need a moment. And I remember yeah. looking at the club owner saying his dad just died, you know something like that mm. but it was yeah. hard for me too so um it's it's hard you know when real life hits you right in the face mm -hmm. you yeah know? and you have to go on right can i ask you I, I i know you kind of were talking around this but like when you're on stage and you're realizing that oh wait a minute this isn't this isn't the direction i need to go i'm mm. not mentally like through all this stuff i have to process this before i get out here like like just the nimbleness to sort of dance around that and get back on track. I can't even imagine how you would do that. I like, cause I would see myself being like going to the mic and be like, you know what? I can't do this tonight. And like walking off the stage, but you know, you, you, as you said, punch through it and, and sort of turn it around. Yeah. You just, I just got through. I'm like, uh, this is, I got nothing funny here. So, because I ran up into my head again, what am I thinking? What am I saying? I can't, I can't just be with it yet. I got it. It's got to go through the machine. So I just went into the audience cause I could just, I'm conditioned not to think. That's just right. where I get the that's where that's where my grace lies. I can just go and and get out of it. So, but that that's how I got out of it. But but I eventually wrote something and uh, and and did get through. I mean, it still hurts. I mean, I, there's a bit I do about my father being um, my father being Alexander. He wrote in front of the troops. You know, that bit I do. Yeah. I tear up inside every time I do it. Hmm. That's why I don't do it anymore. I'm like, you know what? This bit was designed to bring him back and it's not working. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, quite, quite frankly, he you are bringing him back. Yeah, you know, that's that's the beauty of your art. People can get to know him through you and your stories. Yeah, that's a hundred percent right, Alex. I never met your dad. I didn't. I did. I wasn't lucky enough to know you or know him mm -hmm. um, back then. And I honestly, I feel like I really know him now. And he scares the shit out of me. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I'm waiting for him to pop up with a bow and arrow being like, what'd you say, Stern? You afraid of a little spider? Now yeah. be afraid of this. But like, yeah. but also a guy that like had a moral compass of like what to do, like, you know, just everything, just a solid guy that you wanted, you know, guiding you through life. So I, mm -hmm. I've gotten all that just from you telling stories about him. Yeah, mm -hmm. he was good. He'd be, be, he would just, be, the spiders would be coming from him. He'd be looking at you and going, I thought I told you to go back to Georgia. And the spiders <laughs> would turn around. <laughs> yes, they would. Joe would reach for the flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't. He would just say, don't make me get up and get the flamethrower. <laughs> Louise! <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, so, so rub your static electricity and balloon the hell out of here. All right? I've had it. <laughs> How funny was it? The father of her child cheated on her and she sought comfort with her friends. 
And, and, and all the female comic was, oh, that bastard. And they were here from it. All the male comics was like, that's terrible. How'd you find out? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, I need some pointers when I go down that road so I won't get caught. Yeah. That was fascinating to me. The, the, the line of demarcation right there of like the guys wanted to know what, what tipped her off and the, all the women's in support of her. That was funny yeah. as hell. No, I got mad even listening to that. I'm still mad. Guys. What? She went light on the female. The females were like, okay, how can we get him back? Not put the relationship back together. Revenge. That's what she's saying. Revenge. <laughs> yeah, uh, he uh, cheated on her while she was pregnant. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Right. no, 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 no. So apparently, she's been living with me for too long. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. the vendetta stuff rubbed off. You know, like, there's two sides to every story. Not as not. No, it is not. <laughs> when it comes to that, that is scoundrel behavior. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's that's abominable. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, my wife is a lot like Laurie Kilmartin with her dark side. So she's going. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. We have to get him back. All right, sisterhood, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> yeah, the dog but stuff. I, when she goes, sometimes the wrong parent dies first. I, I was like, oh god. I, when I heard that, I went. Uh, and then she, I mean, kind of, we all think that, you know, I know that we're not supposed to have favorites and all that kind of stuff, but there's some people you get along a little better than others. Some are more easier. Some are a little takes work. Some takes less energy. Some takes a lot of energy. So we all think it, but of course, you know, deep down, it's, it's what makes who you are, who you are, you know, that, that counts. And, you know, you're the good person. You take care of what needs to be taken care of and, Make the best of everything. That was very well put. Now she's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> when she said that, that was the funniest thing. I'm checking out. Now she's your problem. You deal with it. I've done it for mm-hmm. 40 years. All right. <laughs> really, but, but you're right, honey. It, and it goes and spread. It's different things. It's it's different attitudes. It's different approaches to stuff. But uh, look, I remember when I told my father that I was going to marry marry you, honey. I remember I took him to chemo for the first time. We're sitting there. We're hooking him up. I brought movies. We're going to watch movies together. We're going to sit there. Right. And I said, Pop, I'm going to marry Alex. And he said, if you don't, I will. I said, okay. (laughs) And then he said this. Don't listen to your mother. She's plenty good enough for you. (laughs) Yeah. I had to win your mom over, Mm -hmm. which I did. Uh, Thank God. (laughs) Yes. Yes, you did. No, but It's true, you know, but you don't realize, I think she said something that I think is true, that she's closer maybe to the parent that she had the most problems with. Mm -hmm. It is like that. You clash with someone who's very much like you and your personality. Don't you think? Yeah, I think oftentimes. Yeah, but you learn a lot from that person also. Yeah, like my dad, I was really close to him. I, I learned I learned to avoid him. I'm like, I, I'm gonna get the hell out of here. I can't avoid <laughs> You've learned to be the man you are. And thank you, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I learned so much from my mom too, because my mom is very my mom is very passionate. Passionate mm-hmm. is uh, another way of saying mentally unstable. I don't know if you're <laughs> about, uh, your mom's uh, we love yeah, we love Mama, Mama Ferrara. Yeah, no, I love my mother. She's she's nuts, but I love her. She's she's, she's like spiders can't drive, Mark. <laughs> Stop with the bullshit. Alex dead is dead. All right. <laughs> okay. There's well, enough real fear in this friggin' world. Stop making shit up. All right. And you don't read Anne Frank to a nine year old. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank my friend Lori Kilmartin for being on my show. She's a very funny lady. Her new album is called Corset. Uh, I recommend you check it out. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Uh, thank you guys so much. The show is growing. It's all because of you. Tell somebody you love about the show. And if you could leave us a review, that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. Uh, we got T-shirts. There's a link to the T-shirts. There's a link to my special And we love you guys very much. Please remember that life is hard. You take it easy on yourself. The pot has ended. Go in peace. I have a fear of the first of the month because the bills are coming and I got it. (laughs) I'm terrified. And I I adapted that behavior from my uncle Funzalo. 
Did you really just say, Uncle Funzalo? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.